amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bulletproof Marketer. No BS marketing advice for marketers by marketers. And guess what? I'm a marketer, so I can say that. So yeah, you know, you got it. Okay. I'm your fearless host, Christopher Tompkins. I'm here to lead the charge against terrible marketing advice. You're getting it all the time. You're reading it all the time. I'm here to cut through the crap to give you what is good and what you should be looking into. Um, we have a hell of a show today. We're going to kick off with some digital trends in the BPM trend spotter. Speak to my good friend and PR Supremo, April Margulies of national PR firm Trust Relations, where trust is first. Then we're going to go head to head with misunderstandings and BPM versus Stockholm Syndrome and end off with the silver bullet, the trend or topic that you need to be paying attention to. So um, let's, you want to get this, uh, get in on this discussion online, um, tweet us at BP Marketer on Twitter. That's BP Marketer at Twitter or at BP Marketer on Twitter. I think that works better, right? Or join the inner circle by going to Go Sales and Marketing, gosalesandmarketing.com. And there will be a pop-up on the website and you can sign up for the Bulletproof Marketer newsletter and it comes out every single day. And tons and tons of great information there. So we're coming to you live from the Go Agency. So we have our uh, team surrounding me here and there. So if you hear anybody in the background, they're probably listening to my every word and judging me in a good way, in a good way, I promise. Okay, so let's kick things off. The first thing I want to really get into on today's episode is the BPN trend spotter. So this is where we're going to cover the most interesting news and trends that have developed over the past week. And of course, I give my spin on them because it's my show, right? That's kind of what we do. So I've been watching our newsletter for the last week, and there's been some stories that I kind of wanted to dive in and highlight. So uh, one of the things that's been coming up again and again is um, YouTube has been hiding dislike counts. And a lot of YouTube creators are thinking it's going to suck for viewers. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I can weigh in on this. But um, so really, what I love about this, this article, it's from the, it's from the next web. Um, it's hilarious. The first sentence is, uh, bad news, my fellow haters. YouTube has, been, has started uh, hiding dislike counts on videos. So what does that really mean? Um, a lot of people were feeling that this is um, censoring dissent um, from corporate propaganda and brand agendas, um, and also protecting predators and abusers from getting accountability. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this. Um, I think that from YouTube side of the coin, what they're doing is they're, they want to make this move to protect creators from harassment and coordinated attacks. 
Um, but like I said, critics fear it's gonna become harder to find useful and trustworthy content. I don't know. Um, I think all in all, I think it's a good effort because hiding dislikes may comfort some creators, but it also quashes dissent and removes a way, removes a way of just looking at scams and just terrible content. Because how many times have you gone to look for that the, a YouTube tutorial on some new stupid feature that was released overnight that is absolutely screwing up your day? Like, for example, maybe Instagram's like, oh, hey, why don't we just shut down for four hours? And then when we come back live, we're going to do a different follower count. And you have to learn this on your reporting day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm talking to you people. You know, you're listening to me. This has happened. <laughs> so um, I think that it is, you know, it's some, there's something to be said for it, but um, is it perfect? No. Um, I think it's going to create um, a, a little bit of a learning curve for people that are um, just kind of to check out content. But like I was saying, if you're looking for those tutorials and you can't see the dislike on them or how many people are voting it down, um, it's, it kind of, it's hard to see if it's going to be a good tutorial. You have to watch it. Cause I do that all the time. I will be looking through um, YouTube or any site and I'll be looking at the reviews to see what, what piece of information I should really latch onto. That social proof is really important. So with that said, what are you gonna do? Um, they're taking them away. Eh, will they bring them back? Probably. Um, you know, these platforms, it's kind of cyclical. So it's kind of, it's kind of here and there and everywhere. So a lot of people are unhappy about it. So I'm sorry to hear that everybody, but this is the internet. This is not real life. Instagram is also in the news for offering creators up to 35,000 to post videos to Reels. Um, obviously, we all know Reels is um, a TikTok clone, um, to put it, I don't know, nicely. But um, one of the things that I've uh, that I was reading in this article on The Verge was that um, when um, Instagram announced its bonus program for Reels um, just in the summer, uh, Mark Zuckerberg said the company would be paying $1 billion to creators through 2022. So it really shows how much um, money these individual creators are going to be offered for their reels. So it's monetizing to create the success of this feature that is a clone of TikTok. Now, so these are these are probably like the big these are the big boys, right? Um, like two two hundred and eighty three thousand Instagram follower account type accounts. Now, what about smaller accounts? They've been offered a much more modest sums, but they're still getting money right? Instagram's still giving them cash. So, you know, someone that with around 52,000 got thousand dollars, but um, a lot of other people in that same realm are getting 600 to 800, you know, um, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Because this is one of the things that uh, it's a bonus, a bonus incentive for these people that are, that are doing this UGC content to actually utilize a tool on the platform. So then they can get all of that traffic and kind of to funnel it into reels so that Instagram can say, Hey, reels is a killer. It's a killer place for you to be not only for you to be, but also for you to advertise and also for product companies to utilize for promotions, as you know. So it's interesting that they're they're They are doing this. I don't think I'm shocked by any means. This is kind of how the world works, but um, we'll talk about this a little bit more um, in the, um, in a section later on where we're talking about um, Stockholm syndrome. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that then. 
Another one, this is one that I like. This is one that I've seen before. On what platform was it? Oh my God, what platform does Instagram totally rip off every chance that they get? Oh, TikTok. Okay, so I saw this. Um, I saw this article um, and it was basically about Instagram Reels is doing um, text-to-speech now. So you can actually type and then it will put a voice associated with it that you can choose. Just, I can't, it was, it was TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, TikTok does that all day long. Okay. So Reels is now just copying the feature, adding it in. There you go. And it's super easy. I mean, if, if you haven't used it already, you just, you open um Instagram app, go to Reels, the Reels camera, record the video, use the text tool, add text to the video, and then tap the text bubble to access on the three dot menu on the sticker, and then you just choose the voice. So it's so, it's super simple if you are a, a Reels power player. But um, yeah, it's something, I think it's a great feature to, to play around with just if you want to kind of jump into anything that's trending or anything that is ah, just popular that's going on um, because there's lots of things that are trending that you can jump into and use this feature very successfully. I don't think you want to be doing that every single day. You know, I don't think it's going to remove the use for human voice, um, but it's nice if you don't have something or you want to mix it up and just be a little bit more interesting. Very cool. But like I said, there is second at the bite of the apple. They are not, this is not an original thought. <laughs> this is something that TikTok's already done. Oh, another one. This is, this is great. This is just, woohoo! Facebook is making change, or so I say meta. Sorry, sorry, folks. Sorry if I offended anybody by using the wrong name. Whatever. Um, is making a big change in how it serves ads. <gasps> Again? Oh my God. So so when I create all of my campaigns in advance, I go to I go to see how they're doing and they're all underperforming because Facebook changed again. Just warning, it's happening again. <laughs> so next year, um, Meta is going to remove detailed ad targeting options and offer users more control over this, the types of ad content that they want to see. And this obviously is the ongoing privacy conundrum that Facebook is facing. Uh, and, um, or shall I say, Meta, Facebook's new parent company. Uh, so this is this is coming around. The, the ad options that they're going to be adding in here are going to be around um, remove detailed targeting options for sensitive topics. So this could be related to causes, organizations, public figures that relate to health, race, ethnicity, political affiliation, religion, or sexual orientation. orientation. So a health topic could refer to diabetes. Um, this is a, a, I'm taking some of this from um, an article from Popular Science. Um, the uh, the health topic could refer to diabetes or lung cancer awareness. Sexual, sexual orientation could refer to same-sex marriage or just LBG, LGBT culture. And religion could refer to practices and groups such as the Catholic church or Jewish holidays. So they're going to be able to, um, what they're going to do with this is the detailed targeting allows organizations to refine the audience of users that Facebook shows their ads to based on demos, interests, and behaviors. So again, do I foresee this being absolutely perfect and smooth and wonderful? No, 
if you fall into the special ads category, bye. Um, you're not going to be able to get a whole lot of things done and you're going to be dealing with trolls left, right, and center because the targeting is way off. So this is something that you're going to have to really um, take some time to think through um, when you're on Facebook because Facebook's making you very vigilant in terms of how you're creating your ads um, and how you're reviewing them. So audience is everything, message is everything, um, but you're just going to have to follow the rules and how you're going to execute it. And Facebook will tell you exactly what that looks like. Don't worry about it. Um, I got another um, another one here um, from influencer marketing. Oh my gosh, we've been talking about this so much lately because it's the end of the year. And uh, Facebook, and I'm sorry, influencer marketing across the board is uh, just a big a big market. It's been growing a lot. You know, if we're looking back to um, this, uh, we took some of these from um, a great website called businessofapps.com. And there was a 2019 um, survey by Media Kicks, and it said that uh, 48% of marketers found influencer marketing ROI better than other channels. Um, and then a further 41% said it was comparable to the other channels. 71% um, of respondents to the same survey agreed that customer quality and traffic from influencer marketing is better than other sources. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> I think this is a different strokes for different folks type thing um, because I think everyone has a different, um, I put a different value on it. You know, if we're looking at the global value of influencer marketing in 2020, it was estimated at 9.7 billion by influencer marketing hub. And then there was a more modest 8 billion by um, Statista's estimate. So I do feel though that there has been a lot of increase in, in um, influencer um, campaigns, especially at the end of last year. So if we're looking at the end of 2021, which you are now, just kind of looking at the end of last year, people were really amping up influencer marketing as it was like a big piece for the big push at the end of the year. Uh, you know, when we're looking at influencer marketing campaigns, again, this is influencer marketing hub data that I pulled, 49% um, spend less than 10,000. Um, 23% spend between 10 and 50,000, 12% spend 50,000 to a hundred thousand. And then we're getting, we're getting a little bit smaller. 8.6 is more than 500,000, 7.5 spent a hundred thousand to a 500,000. Okay. So half of them spent under 10 grand. Okay. So where do you fall in that? You know, many companies that I've um, talked to, whether just, just kind of like shooting the shit or as talking to them um, as a potential client or current client, uh, the spend that we're looking at is kind of one that we want to make sure that we can show works, right? We want to show conversion. We want to show, we want to show really the, the, the value and the whole um, process as a whole. So having it, um, having it go to something so large and going to like a, like a macro, a, a macro type um, influencer, where you're going to have to spend a hundred thousand to 500,000 plus, I, you know what? I, it's, it's a risk. So, you know, I think influencer marketing is great. I think there's many different tactics that you can take to kind of really land it um, and make it something that is meaningful. But at the same time, uh, you just got to be careful. You know, 83% of firms take their influencer marketing spending from their marketing budget. So I'm, are, we, are we shocked with this? Not really. Um, I think that this does fall under the marketing budget, unless you have a separate advertising budget. 
then I do feel like influencer marketing does have legs in that category. So, you know, it's, it's pretty much however you want to split, split it up. I mean, the most effective channels for influencer marketer kind of going year on year, it's still Instagram is way in the lead. I mean, we're talking like 93%. Um, then uh, we have Instagram stories in the second, just a little bit behind at 83. Then growing up is TikTok. Okay. So TikTok's in third place, but everyone's telling me that TikTok's the way to go. Everyone's told me that. Like, what the hell? What are you doing? <laughs> well, here's the thing. If you are going to be doing TikTok in 2020, you're part of the 16% of people that are using it. If you're doing it in 2021, you're part of the 68% that are doing it. So it's a much different number. You know, it's, it's much, much different than um, if you are looking at Instagram, which actually lost four percentage year in year. Um, stories are the same. Facebook, um, it was 79% in 2020, and it's down at 68. So going from this list, the only one that I've seen substantial growth in is TikTok. Um, also, you can see a little bit of substantial growth in uh, Snapchat. Again, we're looking at 10 percentage points here, folks. We're splitting hairs. Um, but I do think that if you're looking for the average cost of an Instagram post in 2021, this is where I was kind of like, oh, I love these because it's always interesting to see like where the wild, wild west of influencers was really going to land. So what do we have? We have that the nano influencers, like zero to 10,000 followers, um, are getting $10 to $100 for a post. Micro, which is 10,000 to 100,000, that's going to be $100 to $500. Mid, which is 100,000 to 500K, is 500 to 5K. Macro, 500K to million, that's 5 to 10K. And then Mega is 1 million plus. And those people are getting. $10,000 plus. Um, so, you know, we are, uh, there's lots of different things to kind of unpack here. Um, the influencers market and the influencer marketing of today is a little bit more transparent, but there are more of them. So where you think that, okay, well, there's more, there's more opportunity. Sometimes it could be more budget. So it's just something to consider. All right, folks, um, I'm going to be back right after the break with the fabulous April Margulies of Trust Relations. Uh, it's that time of year again, a time for gathering, a time to see all of those wonderful faraway relatives that you hold so dear, a time when parties are plenty and new faces are even more plentiful. What does that mean? Yeah, a time of awkward silences and uncomfortable stares, right? Come on. Uh, you know, everyone's been to these parties. You know, this is where Table Topics comes in. I absolutely love these guys. Table Topics are an award-winning conversation starter sets that help millions of people across the country spark fun and meaningful discussions with their family and friends 
around the dinner table, at parties, on road trip, you know, anywhere. You know, I, you know, I've used them at many a dinner parties when you just need, just like a nice little icebreaker. They're in these beautiful cubes. The cards are gorgeous, high quality. And the questions are just ones that, you know, you just might not consider. So I want you to check out them. Learn more about Table Topics by visiting them online at tabletopics.com. Again, tabletopics.com. Okay, and we're back. Oh, do I have a wonderful interview for you today. I have the most fabulous friend I have, and PR especially, um, April Margulies. Um, April is the president and founder of Trust Relations, and um, she has more than 18 years of industry experience counseling and implementing campaigns on behalf of clients across numerous industries, from Fortune 100 companies to startups and beyond. Um, April was also the lead grip on the movie Gremlins, where she was <laughs> instrumental. <laughs> oh, instrumental. why do you lead with inside jokes? <laughs> Gotta lead with inside jokes. <laughs> so without, without future, without without further ado. Future ado. Without future ado or further ado. <laughs> here's um. Founder of uh, Trust Relations and CEO, April Margulies. Thank you for having me, Chris. Um, are we not going to explain to everyone's side joke? We're just going to leave them hanging? I don't know. I kind of want to leave them hanging because they have, I mean, I, I like drop into my DMs and I'll give you the real deal. No, uh, we have, <laughs> me, and April, me and April are also, uh, can we co-host a show together called Hype Busters? where we um, literally bust the hype. I think that's a, a fair assessment. And um, we were talking about what, what actually brought that up? Was it the Ikea muscle bears? The Ikea muscle bears, yes. And yes. I, was trying, I was trying to say that they belong in some scary movie, like, and then I couldn't. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, you, you, you were saying that they were, um, you know, like, oh yeah. It was okay. So the, if anyone hasn't seen it, Ikea has this absolutely terrifying new ad where these muscle brown <laughs> steroid bound bears are like running your life and like putting your children to bed and smashing phones with their hands. Um, so very heartwarming it, for the holidays. I, I enjoyed they're it. They're there to protect you at your home. <clears throat> and actually are, are like act like bouncers outside of your like suburban house um, yeah. in New England. But um, only in New England. But the um, <laughs> one thing that was uh, was interesting is that this is the logic stream that April had was it was going to go from terrifying bears to small bears with large ears <laughs> horror movie. So when we started to draw this narrative together, we found out that it was the movie Gremlins that she was talking about. Uh, so. <laughs> So that's why she will forever be uh, labeled with some sort of gremlin into her bio uh, when she's introduced. I can't wait. <laughs> On future adus. <laughs> Def it's definitely what I want to be known for. So I'm glad that glad we're getting that all the way. Uh, well, so April, how are you doing? I'm great. Good. Very good. good. I'm, I'm excited to be on your uh, wonderful new podcast. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm glad to be on it's it. It's an too. honor. Yeah, mean, thank, well, you for, I, thank you for helping me christen it or thank thank you for asking me to help christen it that's what i should say yeah exactly no i mean i love a good christening and um it's <laughs> uh you know 
So, okay, let's let's talk about you. Let's talk about yes. you, apes. Let's do it. Um, let's do it. Uh, so, April obviously is fantastic in PR, and she's like my go-to anytime um, that I have any questions or going to refer clients. So, you know, looking at PR from from like a, a no bullshit perspective, what's been what's what's kind of what have you seen recently that you've kind of latched onto in terms of like concepts or ideas? So there are a few things. Um, one that's slightly less, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead with the less exciting ones and then get into the more exciting ones. Mm -hmm. um, as you make a face at me to show me that it's very interesting. Um, so the, the, the first thing is, I mean, everyone knows that podcasts exploded during the pandemic. Everyone now has a podcast. And so pitching- What are you podcasts, trying to say? What are you trying to say, April? <laughs> that there's too many podcasts and we have too many. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, really, really what I'm saying though, is that there are so many podcasts now that it's, you really have to start pitching podcasts as part of your media outreach strategy. Mm -hmm. It's great because it provides a long form format for clients to get all of their messaging in. You don't have to squeeze it into some short, you know, super short segment or soundbite. And it's a great chance for thought leaders to get out there. Mm -hmm find yeah. their voice, you know, bolster their voice, all of that. And then it's also a nice way to reach niche audiences. So if, you know, you're, if you're really in the weeds with some particular B2B topic and, you know, there's a podcast for that, right? It's like, mm -hmm. there used to be an app for that. Now there's a podcast for that. So you can pretty much find a podcast on anything. And it's a great opportunity to really, to get in front of those audiences that are uniquely the right Qual, you know, qualified audience for your client. Um, so that's one thing that's not, yeah. not super, super cutting edge anymore, but it's still something that's top of mind for me that, you know, podcast, podcast, podcast. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that is more cutting edge is Substack newsletters. So, <laughs> so Substacks, um, for those of you who don't know, our uh, Substack is a platform where a lot of reporters have started their own newsletters that they're doing in lieu of writing for a publication or in addition to writing for a publication. So, you know, that you've got the famous Substack people like Glenn Greenwald, for example, who, you know, was at a lot of the mainstream publications, then went to, founded The Intercept, then left The Intercept because he felt censored by The Intercept and started his own Substack newsletter, right? So you've got these people. Matt Taibbi is another great example. He was a longtime writer for Rolling Stone, started his own Substack. Um, so pitching those kinds of Substack writers is not as straightforward because they're not really in anyone's pocket and they are not beholden to anyone and they want to write whatever they want to write. <clears throat> but they are still, you know, there are, are still Substack writers like that out there. In addition to that, we have started to see that freelancers are starting their own Substacks mm. to put out a newsletter asking for material mm. that they are planning to write about. And then they have instructions at the bottom of the Substack saying, mm. this is how I want to be contacted. This is, these are the hours. This is the format. This is the information I want, et cetera. So they're actually giving you a playbook to pitch them. Yeah. But you have to subscribe to their Substack. But it's much simpler than it's simpler for them, you know, than doing email um, mass emails like they were they used to do. So, I think that this is something that's going to continue to evolve. And I think that publicists who want to be 
on top of the of their game need to be looking carefully at the reporters that they're pitching. Do they have a Substack? If not, are there other Substack writers who have kind of spun off from the mainstream media to write their own Substack? Then in addition to that, there's also been news recently about major news outlets starting their own newsletters to compete with Substacks. Oh my so, God. So now there's like these, you know, <laughs> newsletters for you know major media outlets that i think are also going to become a new thing mm. depending on whether people respond to that i think people are responding to substacks because they think ah independent journalism that's not qualified by or driven by you know the the mainstream media mm -hmm. um that has a lot yeah. of a lot of people that they're responsible to financially or otherwise Right. or um, responsible, not to, but they're, they respond to, I should say. So, mm -hmm. you know, people are liking Substacks because it has that feeling of, okay, well, nobody is telling these people what to write. Nobody is buying them. And it's just, you subscribe either for free or in some cases like Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald charge, you know, $5 a month to be on their Substack list. So um, and the other thing they started doing that I find interesting, because I, I follow both of them, is um, they've started also doing red versions of their stories so that they have like a podcast version of their Substack article oh. that you can listen to. So they're having somebody, when it's an important story, read the story so that you can just hit play um, like I do. I, hit play. I think it's super smart. So mm -hmm. they're, they're doing innovative things that I think are, are cool. So there's an opportunity if they keep doing that to be both in a Substack placement and on their podcast in effect to, because they're doubling it. Do you have to be a, a, a PR professional to uh, get into Substack and start kind of communicating with these journalists and kind of engaging them? No, definitely not. No, you just have to subscribe to their Substack and then follow the instructions they give you. So I mean, I guess I'm sort of handing a playbook over to, you know, clients that want to do this themselves if they have the time and where. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. Give me a break. No one wants to do this on their own as a company. Oh, my okay, God. No way. Totally fair. No, it, it's tedious. And it is tedious because no. it's like you have to follow each Substack writer and read what they're putting out and all of that. So it is it's not, you know, if you have more money than time, um, I wouldn't do it. If you have more time than money. Okay. Yeah. Have at it, you know? but that's the the classic um the other thing that's really interesting is that there's a lot of staffing issues mm. on the agent on the pr agency side mm -hmm. so what i'm finding is that during the pandemic a lot of people decided they wanted to become freelancers or they wanted to leave the industry and so there is a talent war happening right now for great professionals in pr mm -hmm. and i think that's going to drive some changes in the industry in general right. Because I think in some cases, the people that are getting the talent for these exorbitant prices, it's they're able to do it because they cut out their overhead of an office. So that's going to change then the talent that the agencies with big expensive offices are able to acquire and keep. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to shift the way that people focus on retention. I think they're going to have to, you know, it's been agencies are sort of famous for being sweatshops at, at times and mm -hmm. i think that if you want to keep good people you might have to recalibrate there so it might shift the entire culture of agency life mm -hmm. because of this 
I also think it might force people to work with more freelancers and adapt more dynamic team structures. So it's not, we have four people on this account, all of whom are expected to do every facet and aspect of PR. Instead, it might be, we have somebody that's great at pitching and they're a freelancer, but we don't want them talking to the client because God help us like that person's not client facing, right? right. But they yeah. can pitch, they can pitch like crazy yep. or we've got a great account person. They can't write for their life. Let's get a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might have to see people that are getting a little bit more innovative and putting pairing together people based on their strengths, mm-hmm. because there are great people out there in PR, but some of the great people in PR are not great at all parts of PR. And that's been something that in the past has been requ- required. Mm-hmm. But I think moving forward, that's not, we're not going to see that being the case, you know? Yeah. I agree so, with you. so I that's, in, that's, fine, that's no. interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think then the, go ahead. What was that? No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Say, no, I, just I, say, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I, th- I think it's kind of like something that's kind of going away. Um, all rounders. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like, we're getting, it's, it's either if we get an all rounder, it's kind of not we, me personally, but just if right. we, if like, if, if finding an all rounder, they, tend to be kind of milk toast all around or more expensive than the agency can 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 contain mm-hmm. in right. terms of in terms of fees so it's it's kind of like on agencies and marketing departments that if you're going to be hiring multiple people it's like you really got to step up your management game in in, in order to mm-hmm. make it work because sure. you could have like four times the amount of people for what you have right now because everyone's working like three hours a, three hours on projects and, and billable hours mm-hmm yeah, agreed. Yeah, and then the, the last thing that I think is, you know, <clears throat> going to continue, it's it's been happening, but I see it happening more and more. I feel like old school marketers and, and publicists and old school communications directors and PR people, et cetera, are, are used to the sort of flimsy nature of PR KPIs, but new marketers and startup founders that are trying to do things really thrifty are not as cool with, well, you know, we get 10 placements per quarter or X number of eyeballs per quarter. They want to know what did it do for sales? Okay, great. You got placements. What, what did that do for us? Mm. And so one thing that we are starting to explore as an agency and, and develop is integrating PR metrics with marketing metrics Mm -hmm. to make them have a bigger backbone and also show yeah. how they actually affect the other pieces of marketing. Mm-hmm. So for example, you know, are you ranking low for certain search terms in SEO? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Let's find that out through search lighting. And then we can take those key terms and feed them to the PR team that yeah. then pitches stories that get you credible sources with those key terms in them, which then, yes, we got you a placement, but guess what else we did? We fed into your SEO challenges and we elevated you for those key search terms that you weren't previously ranking for, you know? So that's one of the things we're doing. Um, We're just looking at in general, like maximizing, how do you leverage the meat the placements you get in the other channels? So do you take the hit that you got and do a paid ad strategy yep. on Facebook, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And target just that audience that you want to make sure saw the article, and then you get more eyeballs, which leads to more Google Analytics, et cetera. 
Um, and then, you know, another thing we're looking at is, is where clients have budget for it, either doing brand sentiment analysis so that there is, okay, we started in an only 25 people of people in your target audience had heard of you at the closure of mm-hmm. our campaign of six months, you know, 60% have heard of you. And so that's another thing that's a lot more, mm-hmm. has more teeth in it. Right. Um, and then like, you know, the other problem with, with media hits is that the media has different policies on whether or not they'll include a hyperlink for your client in their article. Mm-hmm. And so some of the challenge is that, you know, marketers want you to use UTM codes. Okay, great. Let's have, you know, let's make sure we get backlinks in these articles. That's not always possible. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do instead is where clients also, again, have budget for it and or an in-house team to do it do vanity pages. So mm-hmm. for your next announcement, you have a little offshoot of your website with a little landing page dedicated to that announcement that we include in our pitches. We include it in the press release. Maybe it gets picked up by the media that has a policy where they will actually use a hyperlink, maybe not, but it's another way of showing you know, more tangibly the Google Analytics backdrop you know, behind the scenes, once you finally get those placements, how much of the website traffic was driven by these placements. Um, Mm. So these are some of the things we're looking into just because I feel like it's going to give PR a stronger voice in the, in the marketing mix to help those people that aren't just like, okay, great. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in New York times. Now what? (laughs) Um, It's the truth. Understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's the truth. I mean, integrated marketing strategies is kind of something that it, there's been multi-channel marketing, not multi-level marketing, multi-channel marketing that's been around forever. Um, And this is just a way of bringing the islands together or maybe Mm -hmm. doing a charter boat between the islands because it's, you know, PR, like for me, I dislike PR because I do not (laughs) like dealing with the media. That's it. I just don't like dealing with them. It's not, it's, it's, but you like that. You enjoy it. You know, um, I like to go and go through all of the different social media platforms and figure out ways of communicating with people authentically. And, and that social, that sociology, that's where I get really excited. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's, but if I'm looking at everything, like there's, there's a lane for PR that feeds right into social, like for a client, looking at all of these investments and not keeping them as separate people, bringing these people together to have conversations because this is what, 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 what drives me crazy about outsourcing. When people outsource to firms like us, I I may never talk to you and I have a massive campaign that I'm doing for them. And I may never talk to them, talk to you. Mm -hmm. And I find the, and then they, since there's no introduction and there's no transparency in that, what will happen is, I mean, I'm not saying this between you and I, but like with other PR agencies that we've worked with, with clients, through our social listening tools is how we pick up the media hits. Mm-hmm. And that's how we have to use it and bake it into the pie. But what if I knew that that was coming? I could set up the volley on social, start that conversation on social and on email and wherever. So when that article comes through, it's like, oh, remember what I've been talking about? Look, New York Times picked it up. And then it kind of really makes sense. Also, PR pitches are fantastic to turn into um, uh, email series, um, like mm-hmm. just so many different things. 
So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're kind of, I've seen more and more um, people that I've been working with being more comfortable with bringing their teams together for communication. Mm -hmm. So um, I like that. I hope that continues. Yeah, I like it too. I think, I mean, I think it's the way to go. It doesn't, it's never made sense to me, even, even back when, I mean, when I first started PR, I was always confused because it seemed like PR was off on its own. I don't even want to say island because it's something more extreme than that. But there, it was totally not informed by the the marketing strategy or the business goals. And suddenly you're pitching like, you know, the Pillsbury Doughboy twin race, you know, sack rate. You're like, what is happening? I don't understand how this is related to the brand or the key messages or what you want to say about it. And so I think that, you know, we've gone, we've come a long way, I think in terms of that, but I still think there's a ways to go in terms of it feeling like it's not just this ugly stepchild of marketing that nobody understands. And it's like kept <laughs> in the corner by itself, you know, I yeah. mean, it, it should be, it is important and it, and it is the only part of marketing that builds credibility in the same way. You don't get that third-party credibility from any other component of marketing. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just you out there scratching your back and, you know, tooting your own horn. And it, that can only go so far. But when you get those placements of somebody, it's saying, here's a company that's credible and doing something great. And this is what they're doing. And it's coming through a third-party media outlet. I mean, that's a game changer. So it does need to be viewed as an important part of mm -hmm. the brand's overall, you know, like thrust towards being trusted. And to that point too, I mean, mm -hmm. PR is the only other piece of marketing that also is going to give you a, a real life check uh, and even, you know, gut check slash real life, you know, body check <laughs> against whether what, what you're putting out is really valid because those reporters are going to look at if you've got some, you know, we're saying this great thing about ourselves and how we're changing the industry. But if you don't have any proof points to substantiate yeah. it, that the media is going to find valid, then they're not going to cover it. So if you have that sounding board, they can come back to you and say, yeah, I don't see it. I don't think you're that innovative. Nothing you're doing is different than the competition. And nobody else is going to say that to your face the way the media will. Oh, and, yeah. you know, <clears throat> So it's, it's, it's a place where you can say, oh, are we perceived as what we want to be perceived as? If not, you know, sometimes the PR team can even suggest, hey, you want to be known for charity. This little 2% thing you're doing on the side that looks, you know, like a, an add-on or tack-on, you need to make this more real. So right. you need to integrate, okay, you want to be known for X, Y, Z, you got to start doing this, 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 or this. Here's some examples that the media would say, oh, okay, I see that they are actually charitable. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to be innovative, you need to do X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. And if you can do one of those things, again, the media is going to find it credible. So it's a great place also for brands to just double check that what they want the world to think of them mm is also what they're doing and demonstrating in a way that the media is going to agree with, right? And say, oh, okay, I, I see that you are trustworthy or innovative mm -hmm. or 
charitable or <laughs> sustainable yeah. or well, whatever, because whatever it is. If the, if the media doesn't agree, they're going to body check the client. And I think <laughs> that, that is what um, I want to highlight. I was so waiting that. for that. You were. You I were, because I had another one too. Lit which up. Was, they were like patting themselves on the back and tooting their own horn. And then they were thrusting. And I was like, what are they doing with their legs? <laughs> <laughs> what they do? I mean, they got two more appendages. That's a dirty what mind. Doing? What? Such a dirty mind. Hey, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a marketer. <laughs> does, that, does that justify it? Does that justify anything? April, thank you so All much. All marketers are dirty. Yeah, they sure are. Um, April, thank you so much for joining us on the Bulletproof my, Marketer. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Chatting. All right, April. Um, where can people learn more um, about you and the trust of relations? <laughs> Our website is trustrelations.agency. You can email me at april at trustrelations.agency. Okay. Give her, give her, a, give, drop her, drop her a line, if you will. Um, visit her website. Uh, she has a fantastic team. They're really, really uh, client focused. Um, and we've worked with them for a while with great results. So April, thanks and bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, after the break, we are going to dive um, into our BPM, the Stockholm Syndrome segment. And guess what? It's all about digital ads, folks. So we will talk to you in a minute. Hey, do you drink wine? Hell yeah, you do. But what happens when you want to savor that expensive bottle of wine? Put a cork in it? No. Vacuum seal it? Yuck. Savino it. Duh. Savino is the best wine saver ever, folks. Okay. I love a good Cabernet. And when I put some money into a nice bottle. I don't want to it to go bad. So I feel like I have to drink it in one sitting, but just imagine being able to enjoy that Tuesday's wine on Friday. Yes, Tuesday is a wine day. I mean, get, get into it, okay? So the Savino wine preservers create a barrier between the wine and the air. So your wine stays fresh, glass after glass. You know, if you're looking for the perfect host or hostess gift, visit savinowine.com today and grab one or grab two if you're like me and you buy gifts for yourself while you're shopping for other people all right savinowine.com and we're back okay marketers you know something you aren't crazy but you think you are so what i'm thinking about here is the classic marketer stockholm syndrome where we get so far into our heads that we can't really see reality, much less what is about five feet in front of us. So I'm talking about any time that we're working on a site and we feel like, hey, everything that should make sense doesn't make sense anymore. Am I losing my mind because I'm working on 14,000 projects at the same time and I have 85 deadlines that are all scattered out throughout today? Huh. Maybe I'm nuts. Well, guess what? This is where I want to shed some light on some of the things from one marketer to another um, and saying that I want you to go from saying, what am I doing wrong to feel empowered? I'm here for you people. Okay. So this is something that we go through all the time. Uh, so today, one of the Stockholm syndrome um, things that I would have been feeling is, you know, Google ads um, and ad reporting. Okay. Everybody knows ad reporting is something that is, 
Um, something you have to check on a regular basis, especially for digital ads, social ads, pay-per-click, Google, whatever you want to say. Um, so it's, it's really important. So how many of us out there have had one of those days where we're looking at our CPC or our CTR and all of a sudden it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. It's kind of like the shit has hit the fan. Everything's great. The, the world is crumbling. We're falling into La Brea. Like it's, it's, it's all over. Right. So then we look and there's no reason why. And then guess what happens next? The client's like, hey, looks like something's going on here. And it's like, oh no, I've done something wrong. And then you look and you find out 48 to 72 hours later that it's the site's problem. And they're like, oh, sorry, sorry guys. Um, well, again, folks, I'm here from you. We, I'm here for you. We all go through the same thing. Um, as marketers, we go through this. Um, for example, Google Shopping had a really nice little bug um, a little bit ago. Um, the uh, Google Shopping ads causes CPCs to totally skyrocket. So on um, Friday, between um, 12 and 3 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and Saturday, um, there was problems with shopping ads. So Google made an announcement, we have fixed it. <laughs> but here's the thing. The percentages, um, I'm going through a place of um, SE Roundtable uh, article, and there was one percentage change where basically it went up 213 to 382% increase in the CPC. That is absolutely astounding. So what happens when that happens? You feel crazy. So what, what am I going to tell you folks? This is the, this is what you've chosen to do as your job. This is, this is kind of like your life's work. So just to let you know, from one person to another, this happens all the time. I mean, how many of you have looked into um, LinkedIn ads and we've seen LinkedIn ads be widely, wildly rather um, inaccurate as to how they report their numbers. And then your client's kind of like, hey, why is this so far off? Or your boss is like, these, these, these ads aren't pulling like they used to do. Well, there's lots of things that are happening behind the scenes. So if one little hint, and you probably already know this, but if anything looks weird ever, don't take to Google, take to Twitter. And Twitter is where you're going to be able to find out what exactly is going on with the platform. For example, if you are creating an ad on Facebook and it's taking you three hours, guess what? It's not your fault. It's not your computer. It's not because you have Zoom open. It's not because um, you have um, five, uh, five Slack uh, chats going at the same time. It's because Facebook has something that's going on. So it's good to see, it's good to check against for um, Twitter for your sanity. When Twitter's out, go to a bar. I, you know what I mean? I would just stop working. I would give up and I, I would just move on for the day. Um, but honestly, that is, um, Twitter is one of the go-tos that we usually use. Another thing is what happens when all of a sudden you're, you're, uh, uh, you're being shoved a new tool to use? Like, ah, uh, Reels. You have to use reels. If you don't use reels, it's it. Reels. And then I'll be on a sales, I'll be on a sales call with a prospect. And then it's like, hey, how can we do reels? Can we do reels? Can we do it? Okay. I know it's the hot thing. And then I'm looking through it and I'm like, okay, it's pretty hot. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely not TikTok. But then you see the numbers are going up and you're like, how's that happening? Well, remember in the first segment that um, Instagram was paying creators 
to um, uh, high-performing high creators on Instagram to do it. So then last week, we we're hearing more and more, not more and more, we've already been hearing about this forever, but it's really the, the, the volume has been turned up on YouTube shorts, which is reels. <laughs> so it's short form video content, just like TikTok, just like reels. So then I was taking a look into it because I was thinking about feasibility, right? As a marketer, you're always thinking like, okay, well, is this something new that we should hack into with our clients so we know that, so we can try it out for them and see how things go and if we can really reap some benefit. And then I was looking and I was like, wow, the numbers look really good. This looks really hot. And then I saw this article. Did you know YouTube is secretly paying TikTok influencers and other top content creators up to $50,000 to post YouTube shorts? So now, smart move YouTube, right? I mean, you're going to a popular platform with popular people with popular profiles and followings and hacking their traffic into your new app. And I'm sorry, your new feature, which is great. Instagram, they were just paying their own people. YouTube was like, hey, let me get that competition people over here. And that's what they're doing. So when, when we're thinking like, oh my God, where did this come from? Why is this popular? Why am I the last to know? Well, guess what? They're spending, they're spending tons of money to make it look like it's the hottest thing and to get the traffic to hack it. So again, when we're talking about BPM v Stockholm Syndrome, uh, when there are new tools that are coming out, they're like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Always consider that it might not be, and there might be other things afoot, such as cross-promotion, um, people purchasing and paying people to put content on channels, because that's kind of what the social world does, right? We talked about influencers before and people putting more money into influencers. Why, if I'm putting more money into influencers as an agency or as, an, uh, as a client, a company with a, uh, with a D2C product, um, why wouldn't Instagram do the same thing? You know, why wouldn't TikTok, um, well, TikTok doesn't need to, but why wouldn't YouTube do the same thing? So I say all of this to let you know that everything isn't always as it seems. And again, when in doubt, go to Twitter. But in this segment going forward, we're always going to try, I'm always going to try to find something that happened during the week that made me feel like I was crazy and I'm going to share it with you. So, because I know that I'm not the only one going through it. You know, you, if, if you scheduled something on Facebook, a week's worth of posts and then they all vanish. Was that you that did that? Or was it Facebook? I.E. Meta. Sorry, Facebook. I'm going to call you that forever just to piss you off. Um, anyway, um, we have another great segment after the break. Um, I'm going to be sharing one of the BPM silver bullets to digital marketing success. So you don't want to miss it. All right. I have a pretty picky pet. Our golden doodle Olive is leaning pretty heavy on the poodle side and is pretty picky about her food. You know, that is until she tried square pet. Okay. Before she tried square pet, we've given her like 14 different types of food and but we've let, we've let her try it out for a while. We're not changing every day. Don't, don't be a hater, but uh, we gave her a square pet and she gobbled it up and is totally eating only that now which is great because it's a healthy, all natural pet nutrition that's been developed by veterinary professionals using only the highest quality and responsibly sourced ingredients. There are solutions for both dogs and cats. You know, I, I'm, I'm not biased. Dogs or cats, everyone's welcome. As well as specialized diets that are backed by science. I'm so overprotective of Olive and I wanna treat her like a queen. 
So Square Pets, it is, folks. Learn more and order a bag to try out today at mysquarepet.com. Again, mysquarepet.com. Woof. Okay, the silver bullet. Okay, each week, what I want to do is dive into a topic that is a silver bullet or proven secret technique to reach and attain your marketing goals. So this, this week's silver bullet is personalization is key. Okay. Um, I, on, I, like we were talking with April earlier and we have um, a podcast that we do called Hype Busters, which is a lot of fun. You should definitely check it out. And we were talking to um, one of the heads of digitals for Albertsons. And one of the things that she was talking about were loyalty programs, affiliate programs, basically anything and how to deal with your customer and be in front of them and nurture them. And she was talking about how um, you need to be extremely personalized in your approach. So when I saw this article from Retail Brew, I was really interested in um, in it because it is the real silver bullet. And the, the article in question was talking about personalization is now key to the online shopping experience with 63. Okay, 63. That's a number that should make you kind of prick up your ears, right? Because it's like not like 50 or below. Um, of consumers are more likely to do holiday shopping with brands that customize the experience their needs, according to a survey, which is in the article, go find it. But the thing is, what I want to say on this is it truly is the key. If you're going to just create a bland message, throw uh, tons of advertising dollars behind it and just cross your fingers and hope for the best, not the best approach, folks. What, what people are looking for right now is they want to be met where they are with the right message that fits their needs. They don't need to be like, oh, eggs are on sale. Like, like if we're talking about Albertsons and it's like, oh, I got a text that eggs are on sale. Okay, I don't need eggs. Um, or, or even something more insensitive, like saying like, hey, like uh, meat's on sale to a vegetarian. Finding people where they are based on their activity and their behaviors. Now there's, there's tons of tools out there that you can utilize. There's loads of tracking pixels. There's data through your Google analytics that you can get. There's things through HubSpot if you're using that. There's tons of different ways for you to identify different attributes of your clients. You can also survey them. But I think one of the things, the most helpful things that I have, especially if we're looking at a B2B approach and how that can be, that can be applied to a B2C, it's actually seeing what people are asking of you. So are people asking you similar questions that you can then kind of uh, craft into outgoing messages that would really engage them because you're actually speaking and addressing things that are common issues from them? I'm not saying like, hey, all of this milk is ex expired, but maybe what they're saying is, hey, um, do you have any keto-friendly XYZ? Well, if that's a common issue, maybe you should address that in a campaign. And then you'll be looking at people and you'll be personalizing it. But even further personalizing it through tracking data is really powerful. There's many ways of doing it through many different platforms. Again, your marketers, this is something that you, you, you know that we have to sleuth. So there's no one magic key that opens every single door. This is more like lock and key where you open up a door and you like fall in and turn into it like a demon or something. So, you know, you have to choose the right keys for the right doors. So I think that um, when we're looking at this, 
keep personalization a top priority through first, um, fourth and first quarter, because it's something that you should develop over time, not something that you should just throw all of your money into and bucket into. It's a program that's going, going to be needed to be developed over time. All right, that's your silver bullet. Wasn't that great? Um, didn't hurt that bad. All right, gosh, what a show today. It really had it all. Digital unrest, social media advancements, my close personal buddy, April, who is the key grip on both Gremlins movie, Gremlins 1 and Gremlins 2, the new batch, um, and the silver bullet. So, so what was your favorite part of today's show? Uh, tweet me at BP Marketer and let me know. Send me a DM and, and tell me any topics that you'd like me to cover going forward. Um, I, I, I want to be able to cover things that are going to be interesting to everybody and helpful. Um, a lot of the things that I face every single day, I know that you face. Um, this is an ever-changing landscape. So, yo, I can, I can help you out. So also make sure to sign up for our companion newsletter. Go to gosalesandmarketing.com and use the pop-up to gain access to the inner circle and get daily tips like the ones that we uh, delivered on the show today, right to your inbox. Uh, so it's fantastic. A lot of the content in the show is taken from the newsletter, so it, you can get it first before you even have to listen to the show, which is great. All right, folks, I got to run. Be kind, be authentic, be bulletproof. Until next time. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.